Hello and welcome back. Episode 27, ADHD and emotional dysregulation. Today we are going to talk about all of the things, emotions, emotional dysregulation, my arch nemesis or my demise for 39 years. So it is often associated with inattention, impulsivity, and hyperactivity, but people with ADHD also struggle with emotional dysregulation. And this is when you are not able to regulate or control your emotions in specific situations or in all situations. So it can look like things, anger outburst, physical outburst, emotional outburst, and sometimes even going inward and isolating yourself, right? But usually it's outward. (laughs) That's the problem. So I did a couple stories talking, sharing about what this was going to be like, and I gave a description and, you know, it's not a textbook definition, but it hit home for me. This is what it feels like to live life with emotional dysregulation is I feel like I'm in the back seat of my life. And my emotions are driving the car. And I don't get to choose which one takes the wheel, when they take the wheel, and how aggressive or intense they are. And it's really hard. It's really hard to live a life when you are controlled by your emotions and your feelings. And you aren't the one controlling them. And so I don't want you to worry. We are going to have a second episode. Next episode will be all about emotional regulation and a bunch of tools and things that I've done and that I am doing to get there. So I'm not going to leave you stranded, but today we're just going to talk about the dysregulation and what that looks like and how it feels. Um, And so this is helpful not only for yourself, but as a parent, because so many of us, if we are neurospicy, our children are, it's very likely that you're going to have a neurospicy child if you have more than one. It's, it, Mark is the only neurotypical in our family, so um, I, I carried it through to both of my girls. And it's not a bad thing if you don't know what you're dealing with. If you are going at it blind, you only see what you think you see. And, you know, for instance, there's there's a table and there's six people sitting around the table and something happens or somebody says something. There are six different stories that come away from that table. There are six different meanings of what happened. And you, you know, have your own, but if you don't know what you're seeing, you make up whatever story you have. And so many of us, because we are in a generation where I feel like our parents took our behavior personally because and in back back in the day, your child's behavior was a reflection of you, of your character, of whatever. And so parents started taking kids they started taking everything that their children are doing personally. And good day, bad day, your neurospicy kid is not taking anything out on you. 
you are their safe space or you're supposed to be. And I hope that I can help you get there if you're not in, you know, what will come in in the following episodes, plural. But knowing that your kid is having a hard time and not giving you a hard time changes the way you handle a situation. And so next time your child is having big feelings, I want to first and foremost say, pause, step back, remind yourself, this is not personal. I am not doing this. I didn't do anything to deserve this, whatever the things are, and then say, my child is having a hard time, not giving me a hard time. And how can you be there for them in that space? And maybe that is giving them some space. And I do think that you can support without, I don't want to say spoil because, well, maybe spoiling, um, but love, care, and attention, forgiveness, these things are not spoiling a child. These are what children need. Uh, so there's that. But when you realize that your child can't, one, can't control their emotions or the intensity, and two, they don't think they're being out of outrageous. They don't think they're being dramatic. They don't think they are being extreme so many times something would happen and i would feel i would feel whatever happened on a level 50 and the person next to me is sitting over there at a five and i'm thinking what is wrong with you that you don't care enough to be this i don't feel like i am the one out of place it feels like everyone else just doesn't care. That's how it felt to me, right? So I share my personal story. Um, I'm an Enneagram 4, and one of the strengths of an Enneagram 4 is honesty does flow freely out of my mouth, and I am I'm vulnerable, and I am authentic to my core, and I'm happy sharing anything from my life if it helps someone else put the pieces together for theirs, if it helps someone else. And that's why I always thought I was an Enneagram too, because of that second part that I was sharing to, to benefit others. But it's the way that I show up and share that is different. And um, so I am figuring myself out over here still forever uh, for the podcast listeners. I will do a whole episode on the Enneagrams and um, realizing that I am an Enneagram 4 over an Enneagram 2, but that day is not today. So, um, so they, you will experience and display. This is very important because it's not just that we experience the emotions on a bigger level, we display the emotions on a bigger level. And so that is what you see as an outsider. So as a parent, it's very helpful to know what is happening. Um, so you experience and display emotions more intensely 
And this can look like anger outburst, physical outburst. Um, so a friend just shared with me that their, their son was getting frustrated with his hair, practicing for a presentation. And when he couldn't get it to look the way he wanted it, he punched his screen that he was using as, you know, a mirror. And she responded with nothing but love. He held that in for a couple days and it made me cry when I read her response because I have done those things. I have thrown my phone across the room and broke a picture at my parents' house because I was mad at my mom. I have punched things when I can't, I tell I used to tell Mark, if you don't come up here and fix this to my laptop, it's going out the window in two point seconds. And that was progress. Me actually recognizing what I was about to do and being able to vocalize it and ask for help, that was progress. Back in the day, I would have just thrown the thing and then I'm even more mad at myself that I threw it after. But I, there was no control. There was no pause. There was no impulse regulator up there when the emotions are driving. And obviously we struggle with impulse anyways with ADHD. But so you get not only do you get more upset and more sad, but you also get more excited. I I get so excited. Like you see me, you see my energy, you know this. Um, and this is a big contributing factor on why I was given a bipolar 2 diagnosis instead of an ADHD diagnosis is the emotional dysregulation. So it's important to know what's going on with you or your kiddos, if you're being evaluated, if you have a former diagnosis or a current diagnosis that doesn't sit right, start, look into it. Or if any of this checks and regulates, I would say yes. Um, Because my highs are higher, my lows are lower. And I couldn't focus on what energy or emotions I would, I had. So for instance, if I, I walk into a room and everyone is happy, I'm instantly happy. My energy shifts to whatever energy is in the room and I'm happy and it's good. But if I walk in somewhere and everyone is sad and everyone is crying, I'm immediately sad. It does not take long before I'm crying. And I, I've had people tell me that, that it is impossible to feel things in my presence because I take up all of the emotions in the room. That is life with emotional dysregulation. And I hate it every minute of it you know sometimes i'll be like standing there and (laughs) no lie mark is like reading something or if he gets angry i'm angry and then sometimes i will say to him and again this is the awareness and the the self-awareness of the four but 
I will be like, can you, I'm not angry right now. Can we, why am I angry? And I will literally like question and be like, why do I feel rage right now? Why do I feel angry? What's happening? And I'll look over or sometimes even his music and I'll be like, oh, this is rage music. And he's like, what? I'm like, I don't know. It just makes my brain angry. We have to turn it off. (laughs) However, music is a wonderful outlet. Music without music. I don't know if I would have made it because it was a place that I could dump all of my emotions. I could belt out my emotions. I could play a depressing song and let it all out. Or I could play something happy and I could let out all that energy. My music changes based on what mood I'm feeling or it used to. You could tell how I was feeling by my playlist for the day. So, um, back to how it felt with emotional dysregulation. Um, people didn't take me seriously a lot. They didn't believe me because everything was so big. How do we know when something is actually big? Good fucking question, right? Tell my brain. (laughs) Uh, um, I still, I can't get over this, right? When I was, when I got the bipolar two diagnosis and I'm sitting there and I'm questioning it for 90 minutes, it was supposed to be a 30 minute session. And I am like, she, their recommendation for me at that point was to take an SSRI to regulate my emotions. If I, and I quote, if I could figure out how to control my emotions, then they would consider giving me an ADHD diagnosis. But I had emotional dysregulation, which goes with ADHD. I can't. Anyway, continuing on. So unpredictable outburst. And the physical, for me, the physical outlet when I couldn't get something to work. If I couldn't get something to work, then my body had to physically, like I would literally like punch the air. I mean, I just, I was either happy on cloud nine, I wanted to put my fist through a wall. And my least favorite part, my least favorite part is when I was in a conversation or a confrontation, doesn't matter, But I particularly remember as a teen, I would be so angry. I would be so angry. But the minute I started to vocalize or talk to someone about it, I started crying. I couldn't, I couldn't control. I couldn't keep the anger in place. The Emotions took over and I started crying. And so then I'm angry. I'm standing there angry, crying. And then I'm even more angry that I'm crying, but I can't stop the fucking crying. I hated that. I hated that. That led me to not a whole lot of confrontation. Not a whole lot of standing up for myself because... At that time, I saw crying as a sign of weakness. I saw my emotions as a sign of weakness. When you can't control them, 
they feel weak to you. And I share this because maybe you don't understand what's going on in your child's head and maybe they don't have all these thoughts, but maybe they have some of them. And so much of the trauma with my late in life ADHD diagnosis, and if you have an ADHD diagnosis and you haven't changed anything to tailor towards that, it still applies, is thinking that I was the problem. And when everybody told me, well, you just need to stop thinking about that, or you just need to stop focusing on the negative, or you're doing this to yourself, or you're making it so much worse in your head, or just stop it. You know, anytime they say any of these things, then it points it back to me that now I'm the one doing it. And I'm very self-aware, so now I'm very aware that I am the one doing it. So I'm the problem, but I also don't know how not to be the problem. It's, well, this is why I ended up an alcoholic. Just kidding, but not kidding. It's, it's hard to fix a problem when you don't even know how you became that problem in the first place. And no one actually offers help or suggestions, just helpful criticism. So we always, we, words matter. Those are words that we say a lot in our house. Words matter. So when someone is in emotionally dysregulated state, the words that you use matter so much because they are probably thinking themselves, get it together, man, get it together. But they don't know how and they can't. And so pointing that out is just obvious, not helpful. And it stacks every time. Every time they this happens, if those things are said, well, it stacks time over time over time. And then it keeps getting bigger because whenever it starts, we already know where it goes. And even though we're not doing it on purpose, we literally can't control it. But the negative self-talk gets louder and louder and louder as time goes on. Dun, 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 dun. Some things, I'm gonna talk way more about this in the ne- next episode, but I don't even wanna stop without sharing some things that you can do to help with emotional regulation. Is develop a routine. We thrive in routines. Part of it is when we get overwhelmed, our emotions take over. It's like, have you seen the movie Inside Out? Everyone's up there, they all have their parts. But when we get overwhelmed, they all just freak out. They all freak out and they're running around up there screaming everybody at once. So it's whatever emotion is the loudest is going to be heard. When we have a routine, we know what's coming. We know what's next. We know what to expect. There is so much fear in the unknown for the neurospicy. Not everyone, but a lot. And whether you realize it or not, I'm very, 
I'm very spontaneous. I'm very, I don't, I, now I plan, but my initial reaction is just to bounce off the walls and figure it out and whatever. So even I, but I don't thrive when I'm bouncing off the walls. I don't thrive when I'm a pinball machine. I thrive when I have a routine. I rhymed. <laughs> so developing a routine, exercise. I, I could preach all day about this. I could do a whole episode on exercise and why it is good for you and your emotional regulation. But I will say this, even before I did all the stuff that I'm going to talk about in the next episode, this was my daily saving grace. This was a place that I could freely let out any emotion. If I had a bunch of anger and rage built up, I could let it out in my workout so I didn't let it out on my kids later. It it helped so much. A daily outlet for your mind and your emotions, even though your body is physically working, like so good. So good on so many levels. So, so many levels. But adding exercise into your routine is just forever good for you. Good for your kids. Why do we, why do we tell them to go outside and play? Why do they love to go outside and play? Because it regulates their body. It regulates their nervous system to be able to run around. If you have sensory seeking kids, hi. They never stop. They're swinging on things. They're climbing up things. They have no sense of danger because that is how they regulate their nervous system. Moving, we, it's taught, it, we know this. And yet we look at exercise as a negative thing, as a punishment. But it is the quickest way one of the quickest ways to regulate your nervous system. Get enough sleep. Sleep is crucial. The whole year of course, the first year of my second daughter's life was insane for me, like insanely bad. So rough because she was not a great sleeper and I was so sleep deprived and I mean, I was doing what I'm doing now then, and I still had people concerned about me, like genuinely concerned that I was not okay. And I think there's probably a whole podcast episode on it. I don't even know. Uh, I went to our nine month appointment and I just cried the whole time. I cried the whole time. It was so rough because I was sleep deprived. And when you're sleep deprived, forget it. I couldn't handle my emotions. I couldn't handle anyone else's emotions. So rough. Sleep matters. Sleep matters so much. The food you eat matters. Your food affects your mood. I have a motto, and like all the kids around me even know this, is that I always have snacks. Always have snacks and water. Always, always, always. Because my food affects my mood, and I don't fuck with my mood my food affects my mood so I don't mess with my food I make sure that I always have food because I know I get hangry you think food doesn't affect your emotions have you ever been hangry so hungry that you're 
angry. Like, don't talk to me. Just feed me. We have a sign in our kitchen. I talked about it last episode. Hangry. I'm not going to go on there again. Um, practicing self-care. This is so big. The main reason that I'm not taking, that I stopped taking my ADHD meds was I had done some really specific work, but I was able to remove, even with some general ADHD knowledge, awareness, and work there, I was able to remove the blame and shame of the ADHD. And so once I was able to remove the constant blame and shame, and I just started laughing about my laughing at stuff, like when I left the house in slippers, I would just laugh about it, be like, that's hilarious. And so I just stopped getting mad about things. I stopped getting angry at myself when I did something ADHD-like. That's when I stopped taking my meds. It's because I was regulating my emotions, but it started with removing the blame and the shame. Because if we remove the blame and the shame around our actions, so much of the negative self-talk goes away. More on that next week. Um, but practicing self-care is huge. We've done, we do meditations. I do a daily priming exercise. I do workshops. You, I'm all about self-care. And I don't... Self-care can be a bubble bath. But I feel like self-care, you should reverse that into taking care of yourself. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you resting? Are you slowing down? Are you learning about yourself? Are you seeing yourself? Are you loving yourself? Are you going to therapy for that? Like that, that is self-care to me, is taking care of yourself. Try this on for size. What if you started to think about self-care is the way that you care for your children, the way you take care of your children? Do you do those things for you? Do you make sure they get enough to eat? Do you make sure they get enough sleep? Do you make sure they get to work out their wiggles and giggles? Do you make sure they giggle? Like, do you do those things for you? Do you tell them they're amazing? Do you tell them they're beautiful? Do you tell them they're handsome? Do you tell them they can be anything and that you're so happy to spend time with them? Do you say those things to yourself? Because most of us don't. And it's, I don't want to say it's easy because working on self-care was really challenging for someone who had never done any self-care. I was always here for others, 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 mainly because, ooh, I did not want to pop this hood. There was a hot mess under there, like clearly hot mess success. Um, But it's been the best work that I've ever done. It's been, it is the time that I spend that trickles out into everything. So if you're not sure what self-care looks like, what some good self-care practices for you are, reach out, let me know, help you out, hook you up. Um, Personal development is huge for this because here's the thing, and it's so strong for so many neurospicy individuals. A lot of the story, a lot of the narrative in our head is often negative, and especially with emotional dysregulation. You don't get to choose where you want to focus, and it's usually the negative because your brain is designed to keep you safe. 
So it worries about the negative, not the stuff it doesn't have to worry about, right? So it tends to go there. We're going to move on to hitting the pause button. I love this. For yourself and for your kids. Always hit the pause button. Instead of reacting, pause and choose how you want to respond. This has been huge in my parenting is instead of reacting, I pause and I choose how I want to respond. And when I first started this is I would pause because my reaction was usually what happened to me. And so I would feel that coming and I'd be like, wait, pause. That doesn't feel good. That didn't feel good. And then I would roll through my other options like, okay, well, what else do you got? What else do you have? Like, okay, none of, none of the options were good when I first started. And so then I just started asking myself, what would have been helpful for you in this situation? What would have felt better? And I started acting from that place. And I'll tell you that when you do that, you heal your inner child while you're raising your children. And that's a whole different level of experience and healing and wonderful bonding and connection and things. So hitting the pause button, even on your family, like, wait, pause. What am I angry about? Okay. Can I try to do something else for 30 seconds or 60 seconds? And again, try this more on adults and then come back and see if I'm still angry. If you can switch the gears sometimes, but you have to be very gentle with this. You have to be very gentle The best way to pause with children is breath work, is trying to focus on the breaths, which is still hard for them, still very hard for them. But there are two different techniques, things um, that I'm going to share with you is you can smell the flowers, blow out the candles. So we use that. And then also is you'll hold up five fingers and you'll have them blow them out one by one. If they can blow out, like blow down all five fingers. So there are two different techniques that you can use. Um, the smell the flowers, blow out the candles is one that you can use personally. Um, but the five finger, I mean, if you really want. <sighs> okay, hold them all up at once. <laughs> Um, anywho, uh, so if you're able to hit the pause button, if you're able to help them hit the pause button, I think that's more of a self-learned tool than a guided tool, to be honest. Uh, labeling your feelings. Are you actually mad? Are you upset? Are you angry? Labeling our feelings helps us, one, create awareness and separate our feelings and just where they apply but this is not something that I really did until I started doing some work. I mean, I feel like others labeled me more than I labeled what I was experiencing myself. Um, and then the last one I added is awareness because awareness is always helpful. Awareness helps you see a different side that you possibly weren't seeing before. And I hope that that can help 
change your reaction, your response. Maybe even work with that pause. Pause, what's really happening here before I respond? Like, is this personal? Am I taking this personal? Ask yourself that several times a day. Am I taking this personally? Because you shouldn't. Um, and that's it. That's all I have for today. So it's about half an hour. I feel like that's probably pretty good. So I am going to wrap it up. But if you have any questions, please feel free to comment, reach out to me. Um, and as a reminder, I do have my free community that goes with my podcast, my Hot Mass Success community on Facebook. And there will be some big things coming this year, but I will share those later. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you learned a thing or two, and I hope that you take this and apply it and use it in your life to see yourself a little better, to give yourself a little bit more grace, forgiveness, acceptance, um, and I hope all of those things for your children too. I'll see you guys soon.